Part four of Salve Deus Rex Uderum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. Salve Deus Rex Uderum by Amelia Lanyer. Part four. Till now your indiscretion sets us free, and makes our former fault much less appear. Our mother Eve, who tasted of the tree, giving to Adam what she held most dear, was simply good and had no power to see, the after-coming harm did not appear, the subtle serpent that our sex betrayed, before our fall so sure a plot had laid. That undiscerning ignorance perceived no guile or craft that was by him intended, for had she known of what we were bereaved, to his request she had not condescended. But she, poor soul, by cunning was deceived, no hurt therein her harmless heart intended, for she alleged God's word, which he denies, that they should die, but even as gods be wise. But surely Adam cannot be excused. Her fault, though great, yet he was most to blame. What weakness offered, strength might have refused. Being lord of all the greater was his shame. Although the serpent's craft had her abused, God's holy word ought all his actions frame. For he was lord and king of all the earth, before poor Eve had either life or breath who, being framed by God's eternal hand, the perfectest man that ever breathed on earth, and from God's mouth received that straight command, the breach whereof he knew was present death, yea, having power to rule both sea and land, yet with one apple one to lose that breath which God hath breathed in his beauteous face, bringing us all in danger and disgrace. And then, to lay the fault on patience back, that we, poor women, must endure it all, we know right well he did discretion lack being not persuaded thereunto at all. If Eve did err, it was for knowledge's sake. The fruit being fair persuaded him to fall. No subtle serpent's falsehood did betray him. If he would eat it, who had power to stay him? Not Eve, whose fault was only too much love, which made her give this present to her dear. That which she tasted he likewise might prove, whereby his knowledge might become more clear. He never sought her weakness to reprove, with those sharp words which he of God did hear. Yet men will boast of knowledge, which he took from Eve's fair hand as from a learned book. If any evil did in her remain, being made of him, he was the ground of all. If one of many worlds could lay a stain upon our sex, and work so great a fall to wretched man by Satan's subtle train, what will so foul a fault amongst you all? Her weakness did the serpent's word obey but you in malice God's dear son betray. Whom, if unjustly you condemn to die, her sin was small to what you do commit. All mortal sins that do for vengeance cry are not to be compared unto it. If many worlds would altogether try, by all their sins the wrath of God to get, this sin of yours surmounts them all as far as doth the sun another little star. Then let us have our liberty again, and challenge to yourselves no sovereignty, you came not in the world without our pain. Make that a bar against your cruelty. Your fault being greater, why should you disdain our being your equals, free from tyranny? If one weak woman simply offend, this sin of yours hath no excuse nor end. To which, poor souls, we never gave consent. Witness thy wife, O Pilate, speaks for all. Who did but dream, and yet a message sent, That thou shouldst have nothing to do at all With that just man, which if thy heart relent, Why wilt thou be a reprobate with Saul? To seek the death of him that is so good, For thy soul's health to shed his dearest blood. 
Yea, so thou mayst these sinful people please, thou art content against all truth and right, to seal this act that may procure thine ease, with blood, with wrong, with tyranny and might, the multitude thou seek'st to appease by base dejection of this heavenly light, demanding which of these that thou shouldst lose, whether the thief or Christ, king of the Jews. Base Barabbas, the thief they all desire, and thou more base than he perform'st their will, yet when thy thoughts back to themselves retire, thou art unwilling to commit this ill. O oh, that thou couldst unto such grace aspire, that thy polluted lips might never kill that honour which right judgment ever graceth, to purchase shame which all true worth defaceth. Art thou a judge, and asketh what to do with one in whom no fault there can be found? The death of Christ wilt thou consent unto, finding no cause, no reason, nor no ground? Shall he be scourged and crucified too? And must his miseries by these means abound? Yet not ashamed to ask what he hath done, when thine own conscience seeks this sin to shun. Three times thou askest, What evil hath he done? And sayest thou find'st in him no cause of death, yet wilt thou chasten God's beloved son? Although to thee no word of ill he saith, for wrath must end, what malice hath begun? And thou must yield to stop his guiltless breath, this rude tumultuous rout doth press so sore, that thou condemnest him thou shouldst adore. Yet, Pilate, this can yield thee no content, to exercise thine own authority, but unto Herod he must needs be sent, to reconcile thyself by tyranny. Was this the greatest good in justice meant, when thou perceivedst no fault in him to be? If thou must make thy peace by virtue's fall, much better twere not to be friends at all. Yet neither thy stern brow nor his great place can draw an answer from the Holy One, his false accusers, nor his great disgrace, nor Herod's scoffs, to him they are all one. He neither cares nor fears his own ill case, though being despised and mocked of every one. King Herod's gladness gives him little ease, neither his anger seeks he to appease. Yet this is strange, that base impiety should yield those robes of honour which were due, pure white to show his great integrity, his innocency that all the world might view, perfection's height and lowest penury, such glorious poverty as they never knew, purple and scarlet well might him beseem, whose precious blood must all the world redeem. And that imperial crown of thorns he wore was much more precious than the diadem of any king that ever lived before, or since his time their honours but a dream to his eternal glory being so poor, to make a purchase of that heavenly realm, where God with all his angels lives in peace, nor griefs, nor sorrows, but all joys increase. Those royal robes which they in scorn did give, to make him odious to the common sort, yield light of grace to those whose souls shall live within the harbour of this heavenly port. Much do they joy, and much more do they grieve, his death, their life, should make his foes such sport. With sharpest thorns to prick his blessed face, Our joyful sorrow, and his greater grace. Three fears at once possessed Pilate's heart, The first, Christ's innocency, which so plain appears, The next, that he which now must feel this smart, If God's dear son, for anything he hears, But that which proved the deepest wounding dart, Is people's threatenings which he so much fears, that he to Caesar could not be a friend, unless he sent sweet Jesus to his end. 
Now, Pilate, thou art proved a painted wall, a golden sepulchre with rotten bones, from right to wrong, from equity to fall. If none upbraid thee, yet the very stones will rise against thee, and in question call his blood, his tears, his sighs, his bitter groans. All these will witness at the latter day, when water cannot wash thy sin away. Canst thou be innocent, that gainst all right wilt yield to what thy conscience doth withstand? Being a man of knowledge, power, and might, to let the wicked carry such a hand before thy face to blindfold heaven's bright light, and thou to yield to what they did demand? Washing thy hands, thy conscience cannot clear, but to all worlds this stain must needs appear. For lo, the guilty doth accuse the just, and faulty judge condemns the innocent, and wilful Jews to exercise their lust, with whips and taunts against their lord are bent. He basely used, blasphemed, scorned, and cursed, our heavenly King to death for us they sent. Reproaches, slanders, spittings in his face, spite doing all her worst in his disgrace. And now this long-expected hour draws near, when blessed saints with angels do condole, his holy march, soft pace, and heavy cheer, in humble sort yield his glorious soul by his deserts the foulest sins to clear, and in the eternal book of heaven to enroll a satisfaction till the general doom, of all sins past, and all that are to come. They that had seen this pitiful procession, from Pilate's palace to Mount Calvary, might think he answered for some great transgression, being in odious sort condemned to die. He plainly showed that his own profession was virtue, patience, grace, love, piety and how by suffering he could conquer more than all the kings that ever lived before. First went the crier with open mouth proclaiming the heavy sentence of iniquity, the hangman next by his base office claiming his right in hell where sinners never die, carrying the nails, the people still blaspheming their maker, using all impiety, the thieves attending him on either side, the sergeants watching while the women cried. Thrice happy women that obtained such grace from him whose worth the world could not contain, immediately to turn about his face, as not remembering his great grief and pain, to comfort you, whose tears poured forth apace on Flora's banks, like showers of April rain. Your cries enforced mercy, grace, and love from him, whom greatest princes could not move. To speak one word, nor once to lift his eyes unto proud Pilate, no, nor Herod king, by all the questions that they could devise, could make him answer to no manner of thing. Yet these poor women, by their piteous cries, did move their lord, their lover, and their king, to take compassion, turn about, and speak, to them whose hearts were now ready to break. Most blessed daughters of Jerusalem, who found such favour in your Saviour's sight, to turn his face when you did pity him, your tearful eyes beheld his eyes more bright, your faith and love unto such grace did climb, to have reflection from this heavenly light. Your eagle's eyes did gaze against this sun, your hearts did think, he dead, the world were done. When spiteful men with torments did oppress the afflicted body of this innocent dove, poor women, seeing how much they did transgress, by tears, by sighs, by cries, entreat, nay prove what may be done among the thickest press, they labour still these tyrants' hearts to move, in pity and compassion to forbear their whipping, spurning, tearing of his hair. But all in vain, their malice hath no end, their hearts more hard than flint or marble stone. Now to his grief his greatness they attend, when he, God knows, had rather be alone. They are his guard, 
yet seek all means to fend. Well may he grieve, well may he sigh and groan, under the burden of a heavy cross, he faintly goes to make their gain his loss. His woeful mother waiting on her son, all comfortless in depth of sorrow drowned, her grief's extreme, although but new begun, to see his bleeding body off she swooned. How could she choose but think herself undone, he dying with whose glory she was crowned? None ever lost so great a loss as she, being son and father of eternity. Her tears did wash away his precious blood, that sinners might not tread in under feet to worship him, and that it did her good upon her knees, although in open street, knowing he was the Jesse flower and bud, that must be gathered when it smelled most sweet, her son, her husband, father, saviour, king, whose death killed death, and took away his sting. Most blessed virgin, in whose faultless fruit all nations of the earth must needs rejoice, no creature having sense, though ne'er so brute, but joys and trembles when they hear his voice. His wisdom strikes the wisest person's mute. Fair chosen vessel, happy in his choice. Dear mother of our Lord, whose reverend name, all people blessed call, and spread thy fame. For the Almighty magnified thee, and looked down upon thy mean estate. Thy lowly mind and unstained chastity did plead for love at great Jehovah's gate, who, sending swift-winged Gabriel unto thee, his holy will and pleasure to relate, to thee most beauteous queen of womankind, the angel did unfold his maker's mind. He thus began, Hail, Mary, full of grace, thou freely art beloved of the Lord. He is with thee, behold thy happy case. What endless comfort did these words afford to thee that saw'st an angel in the place proclaim thy virtue's worth, and to record thee blessed among women, that thy praise should last so many worlds beyond thy days. Lo! This high measure to thy troubled spirit he doth deliver in the plainest sense. Says, Thou shouldst bear a son that shall inherit his father David's throne, free from offence, calls him that holy thing, by whose pure merit we must be saved, tells what he is, of whence, his worth, his greatness, what his name must be, who should be called Son of the Most High. He cheers thy troubled soul, bids thee not fear, when thy pure thoughts could hardly apprehend this salutation when he did appear, nor couldst thou judge whereto these words did tend, his pure aspect did move thy modest cheer to muse, yet joy that God vouchsafed to send his glorious angel, who did thee assure to bear a child, although a virgin pure. Nay more, thy son should rule and reign for ever, yea, of his kingdom there should be no end, over the house of Jacob heaven's great giver would give him power, and to that end did send his faithful servant Gabriel, to deliver to thy chaste cares no word that might offend, but that this blessed infant born of thee, thy son, the only son of God, should be. When on the knees of thy submissive heart thou humbly didst demand how that should be, thy virgin thoughts did think none could impart this great good hap and blessing unto thee, Far from the desire of any man thou art, knowing not one thou art from all men free, when he to answer this thy chaste desire gives thee more cause to wonder and admire, that thou a blessed virgin shouldst remain, yea, that the Holy Ghost should come on thee a maiden mother, subject to no pain, for highest power should overshadow thee, could thy fair eyes from tears of joy refrain when God looked down upon thy poor degree? making thee servant, mother, wife, and nurse to heaven's bright king, that freed us from the curse. Thus being crowned with glory from above, grace and perfection, resting in thy breast, thy humble answer doth approve thy love, and all these sayings in thy heart doth rest. Thy child a lamb, 
and thou a turtle-dove, above all other women highly blest, to find such favour in his glorious sight, in whom thy heart and soul do most delight. What wonder in the world more strange could seem, than that a virgin should conceive and bear within her womb a son, that should redeem all nations on the earth, and should repair our old decays, who in such high esteem should prize all mortals, living in his fear, as not to shun death, poverty, and shame, to save their souls and spread his glorious name, and partly to fulfil his father's pleasure, whose powerful hand allows it not so strange, if he vouchsafe the riches of his treasure, pure righteousness to take such ill exchange, on all iniquity to make a seizure, giving his snow-white weed for hours in change, our mortal garments in scarlet dye, too base a robe for immortality. Most happy news, that ever yet was brought, when poverty and riches met together. The wealth of heaven in our frail clothing wrought salvation by his happy coming hither. Mighty messiahs, who so dearly bought us slaves to sin, far lighter than a feather, tossed to and fro with every wicked wind, the world the flesh or devil gives to blind who on his shoulders our black sins doth bear, to that most blessed yet accursed cross, where fastening them he rids us of our fear, yea, for our gain he is content with loss, our ragged clothing scorns he not to wear, though foul, rent, torn, disgraceful, rough, and gross, spun by that monster sin, and weaved by shame, which grace itself disgraced with impure blame, how canst thou choose, fair virgin, then but mourn, when this sweet offspring of thy body dies, when thy fair eyes beholds his body torn, the people's fury, hears the women's cries, his holy name profaned, he made a scorn, abused with all their hateful slanderous lies, bleeding and fainting in such wondrous sort, as scarce his feeble limbs can him support. Now Simon of Cyrene passeth them by, whom they compel sweet Jesus cross to bear to Golgotha, there do they mean to try all cruel means to work in him despair, that odious place where dead men's skulls did lie. There must our Lord for present death prepare. His sacred blood must grace that loathsome field, to purge more filth than that foul place could yield. For now arrived unto this hateful place, in which his cross erected needles must be, False hearts and willing hands come on apace, All pressed to ill and all desire to see, Graceless themselves, still seeking to disgrace, Bidding him, if the Son of God he be, To save himself, if he could others save, With all the opprobrious words that might deprave. His harmless hands unto the cross they nailed, And feet that never trod in sinner's trace, Between two thieves unpitied, unbewailed, Save of some few possessors of his grace, with sharpest pangs and terrors thus the paled, stern death makes way that life might give him place, his eyes with tears, his body full of wounds, death last of pains his sorrows all confounds, his joints disjointed and his legs hang down, his alabaster breast, his bloody side, his members torn, and on his head a crown of sharpest thorns to satisfy for pride, anguish and pain do all his senses drown, while they his holy garments do divide, his bowels dry, his heart full fraught with grief, crying to him that yields him no relief. This with the eye of faith thou mayst behold, dear spouse of Christ, and more than I can write, and here both grief and joy thou mayst unfold, to view thy love in this most heavy plight. Bowing his head, his bloodless body cold, those eyes wax dim that gave us all our light, his countenance pale, yet still continues sweet, his blessed blood watering his pierced feet. 
O oh, glorious miracle without compare! Last but not least which was by him affected, Uniting death, life, misery, joy, and care, By his sharp passion in his dear elected, Who doth the badges of like liveries wear, Shall find how dear they are of him respected. No joy, grief, pain, life, death was like to this, Whose infinite dolours wrought eternal bliss. What creature on the earth did then remain, On whom the horror of this shameful deed Did not inflict some violent touch or strain, To see the Lord of all the world to bleed? His dying breath did rend huge rocks in twain, The heavens betook them to their mourning weed, The sun grew dark, and scorned to give them light, Who durst eclipse a glory far more bright. The moon and stars did hide themselves for shame, The earth did tremble in her loyal fear, The temple veil did rent to spread his fame, The monuments did open everywhere, Dead saints did rise forth of their graves, And came to divers people that remained there Within that holy city, Whose offence did put their maker to this large expense. Things reasonable and reasonless Possessed the terrible impression of this fact, For his oppression made them all oppressed, When with his blood he sealed so fair an act, in restless misery to procure our rest, His glorious deeds that dreadful prison sacked, When death, hell, devils, using all their power, Were overcome in that most blessed hour. Being dead, he killed death, And did survive that proud insulting tyrant, In whose place he sends bright immortality To revive those whom his iron armies did long embrace, Who from their loathsome graves brings them alive In glory to behold their Saviour's face, Who took the keys of all death's power away, Opening to those that would his name obey. A wonder, more than man can comprehend, Our joy and grief both at one instant framed, Compounded, contraries contend each to exceed, Yet neither to be blamed. Our grief to see our Saviour's wretched end, Our joy to know both death and hell he tamed, That we may say, O death, where is thy sting? Hell, yield thy victory to thy conquering King. Can stony hearts refrain from shedding tears To view the life and death of this sweet saint, His austere course in young and tender years, When great endurements could not make him faint, His wants, his pains, his torments, and his fears, All which he undertook without constraint, To show that infinite goodness must restore, What infinite justice looked for, and more. Yet had he been but of mean degree, His sufferings had been small to what they were, Mean minds will show of what mean moulds they be, Small griefs seem great, yet use doth make them bear. But ah, tis hard to stir a sturdy tree, Great dangers hardly puts great minds in fear, They will conceal their griefs which mighty grow, In their stout hearts they overflow. If then an earthly prince may ill endure The least of those afflictions which he bear, how could this all-commanding king procure Such grievous torments with his mind to square, Legions of angels being at his lure? He might have lived in pleasure without care. None can conceive the bitter pains he felt, When God and man must suffer without guilt. Take all the sufferings thoughts can think upon, In every man that this huge world hath bred. Let all those pains and sufferings meet in one, Yet are they not a might to that he did endure for us? O oh, let us think thereon, that God should have his precious blood so shed, His greatness clothed in our frail attire, And pay so dear a ransom for the hire. Lo, here was glory, misery, life and death, And union of contraries did accord. Gladness and sadness here had one birth, This wonder wrought the passion of our Lord. He suffering for all the sins of the earth, No satisfaction could the world afford. But this rich jewel, which from God was sent, To call all those that would in time repent. 
which I present, dear lady, to your view, upon the cross deprived of life or breath, to judge if ever lover were so true, to yield himself unto such shameful death. Now blessed Joseph doth both beg and sue, to have his body who possessed his faith, and thinks, if he this small request obtains, he wins more wealth than in the world remains. Thus honourable Joseph is possessed of what his heart and soul so much desired, and now he goes to give that body rest, that all his life with griefs and pains was tired. He finds a tomb, a tomb most rarely blessed, in which was never creature yet interred. There this most precious body he encloses, embalmed and decked with lilies and with roses. Lo, here the beauty of heaven and earth is laid, the purest colours underneath the sun. But in this place he cannot long be stayed. Glory must end what horror hath begun. For he the fury of the heavens obeyed, and now he must possess what he hath won. The Marys do with precious balms attend, but being come, they find it to no end. For he is risen from death to eternal life, and now those precious ointments he desires are brought unto him by his faithful wife, the Holy Church, who in these rich attires of patience, love, long-suffering, void of strife, humbly presents these ointments he requires, the oils of mercy, charity, and faith. She only gives that which no other hath. These precious balms do heal his grievous wounds, and water of compunction washeth clean the sores of sinners, which in our souls abounds. So fair no scar is ever seen, yet all the glory unto Christ redounds. His precious blood is that which must redeem, those well may make us lovely in his sight, but cannot save without his powerful might. This is that bridegroom that appears so fair, so sweet, so lovely in his spouse's sight, that unto snow we may his face compare, his cheeks like scarlet, and his eyes so bright as purest doves that in the rivers are, washed with milk, to give them more delight. His head is likened to the finest gold, his curled locks so beauteous to behold. Black as a raven in her blackest hue, his lips like scarlet threads, yet much more sweet than is the sweetest honey dropping dew, or honeycombs where all the bees do meet. Yea, he is constant, and his words are true, his cheeks are beds of spices, flowers sweet, his lips like lilies, dropping down pure mirth, whose love before all worlds we do prefer. End of part four.